0: So, Jr. Democratic Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes has made it official. He's in the race for Wisconsin's U.S. Senate seat next November. Barnes has the highest political profile of any of the candidates and joins a crowded field of Democrats who have either announced they are running or are thinking of running. Republican incumbent Ron Johnson has not said yet whether he'll seek re-election. Well, soon after Barnes made his announcement, at least one progressive group came out and supported him. So does Barnes have the progressive lane sewn up, or might he have to share it with other Democratic
1: candidates? Well, there are definitely others who are vying for that same lane with him, as well as the Milwaukee lane. The progressives, uh, one group that had backed Chris Larson, a state senator, uh, who already got in the race, has also now endorsed Mandela Barnes. So that's kind of unique sometimes. A group is doing more than one candidate. It shows that Barnes is going to be competing for that progressive mantle with others, and now you've got more than half the field really from Milwaukee or the Milwaukee area. Um, and what's going to be interesting is how do they divide up that Milwaukee vote? And oh, by the way, if you're Sarah Godlewski, the state treasurer, was originally from Eau Claire, but, you know, it's a state office, Tom Nelson up in the Fox Valley, uh, Dr. Patino up in the Wausau area, you're also trying to get Milwaukee votes because Milwaukee is a voter-rich environment for Democrats. And what's interesting is uh, look at the primary for governor in 2018 among Democrats. There were 10 candidates originally. Eventually, two of them dropped out before we got to the primary. And then, then State Superintendent Tony Evers kind of broke away from the pack and won like than 40 percent of the vote. The next closest person was 25 points behind. What I'm getting at is it's not as simple as crowded field, small number to win. You could have a couple, three true front runners who break away from the pack. Then these other candidates who are not very well-known, don't have as much money and therefore can't communicate to voters, they end up playing more of a spoiler role than they are a threat to the nomination. So it's going to be fascinating to watch how this plays out and who ends up feeling, you know, grabbing what constituency, the Democratic Party, with its base, during now and next August.
0: Also, Milwaukee Alderwoman Shantia Lewis got into the Senate
1: race last week. What lane might she claim? When I talked to people last week about her announcement, they said she had a great rollout video, really interesting profile. She touted being um, a mother, a fighter, an Air Force veteran, um, a minister, talked about being trying to be the, from the first black woman to be a U.S. Senator in Wisconsin history. But she also announced the day after Mandela Barnes got in, Barnes is also trying to become the first black senator in U.S. history or in Wisconsin history. Um, a little bit overshadowed by that. She's also not the first female in the race. And people have talked about Alderman Lewis getting in for a while. Her, there's been rumors about her for some time. So the question is, why wait until now? If she'd gotten in earlier, maybe there are some groups like, for example, Emily's List endorsed uh, Sarah Galuski. That group is really big for female candidates, Democratic candidates who support abortion rights in terms of money and infrastructure and help. You know, maybe if she got in earlier, it'd give them something to think about. Now, emily just endorsed galuski even though dr patino's in the race so another woman didn't deter from that but i'm just saying that if you got in earlier she would maybe have had a, a time to kind of build a little bit of a profile before others got in now that it's a 10-person race essentially and who knows what else is going to happen who else might get in between now and uh june 1st of next to the filing deadline what becomes her lane how does she break through especially with a crowded pack of Milwaukee candidates? We're all vying for a lot of the same voters.
0: We were talking about Mandela Barnes having the highest political profile of the candidates so far. Might his candidacy scare off some of the others? In other words, is he a field clearer of sorts?
1: No, I don't get the impression of that right now. And, you know, look, here's the thing, though. Mandela is the number two in terms of, like, state government, but Sarah Galuski was on her own ballot line in 2018, so don't discount that She's also run statewide, won a race, and got more votes, I believe, than uh, others who were on the ticket that year. Um, Barnes wasn't at the top of the ticket. Now, he was part of it, but the focus wasn't on him. What's going to be interesting for Barnes now is he's now the focus, not just the running mate, right? So Barnes, with his candidacy, there's been talk for weeks, if not months, that if or really when... Mandela Barnes got in, he would be a front runner. Well, now the challenge for Barnes is to prove he deserves that kind of expectation. He's got to rack up the endorsements. He's got to raise the money. He's got to build the campaign team. He's got to prove he's got the chops to be really, truly a contender. And you're seeing in this race kind of some tiers develop. Depending who I talk to, you know, they'll rank Alex Lazary, who's on leave from, from the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and Galewski and Barnes is kind of in a top tier, maybe a couple higher than another, depending on that person's perspective. Tom Nelson up in the Fox Valley, kind of executive, he's trying to elbow his way into that discussion in the top tier. And then you kind of get to the others who are a little bit lower down. And again, depending on who you talk to, they'll kind of rate where they're at in the pecking order. But there's clearly a hierarchy developing going forward, and it's going to be fascinating to watch how it develops because all of the people in talk with the kind of that the heap right now have some baggage. Mandela Barnes was late on paying taxes and parking tickets, you know, and I don't know how big it was going to be for voters ahead of the primary general election, but how you answer that question could be important. Um, Alex Lazary, look, he's not from Wisconsin. He's the son of a New York hedge fund billionaire. Do Wisconsin Democrats want that kind of a profile for their... You know, nominee, Sarah Galewski, um, she's had some questions about her academic credentials and claims she's been on the campaign trail, things like she didn't vote in 2016, even though she was working Hillary Clinton's campaign. These are not like necessarily death blows for a campaign. The real thing to watch is how do these candidates handle the adversity of being asked questions about, well, hey, what about this in your background? What about this on your resume and some questions if it's accurate? Because they're all going to get knocked around because, let's face it, this could be one of the top Senate races in the country next fall. And how you react to being in the spotlight can determine whether you have the medal to make it all the way through the finish line and possibly win the seat, either beating Iran Johnson or, you know, somebody else runs Iran's place. That Republican, it, it's really it's that's the challenge now. Build, raise that money, build the infrastructure, hone your campaign message and your skills so you're prepared for the intense glare of that spotlight that's going to come for the next, you know, 14 months. And then it gets even hotter if you become the nominee.
0: And finally, Republicans in the state legislature circulated a bill for sponsorship last week that would lower the age in which you could apply for a permit and carry a concealed weapon from 21 to 18. Another bill would allow permit holders to have guns and cars on school grounds. There have been some recent court rulings regarding lowering the concealed carry age. Where do you see these bills going in the legislature, and do you see Governor Evers signing this?
1: I don't know for sure yet how much support they have in the legislature. I mean, obviously, concealed carry in general, uh, one backing when it became law a decade ago or so. I just don't know if lowering to 18, how people react to that. Uh, There's also a bill that would allow those with concealed carry permits to have a, a gun on school property like in their car or something like that in their glove box. So because right now, if you are a concealed carry permit holder to go pick up your kid from school and you have your weapon on you, technically you're breaking the law by being on school grounds. I don't know if those bills have enough support to pass both houses. It is fairly certain that if they did, governors would veto them. So I don't anticipate those things becoming law as long as Tony Eagers is in the East Wing.
0: That's whizpolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.